A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? So, did you know that Lafayette started wearing a wig at age 13? You know, I I have a list of when everyone starts wearing their (laughs) wigs, but Lafayette's not on there for some reason. I also didn't know that kids used to make fun of him for riding his horse like a goose. Really? Because he apparently was a (laughs) goose rider, but uh, I I only know this because my son is obsessed with these history books called Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales, and he keeps quizzing me on all this trivia about historical figures, and I kind of love it. I mean, it it is kind of in the family business, if you want to be honest about it. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, for a long time, Henry was not a reader. And it kind of stunned me because Lizzie and I both read a ton. And he just wasn't excited by reading. But then his aunt gave him this Nathan Hale series, and it was almost like it unlocked a new part of his personality. Like, he just started devouring nonfiction and graphic novels and reading all sorts of other books. And then telling me about French boys and powdered wigs. But, you know, the books he keeps going back to and rereading is this Nathan Hale series. All right. So so why don't you tell us, what what are the books all about? I mean, everything from history for, like, uh, Harriet Tubman is one. He got really into ironclads, those ships. He started talking about World War One and Two, But the character he's completely obsessed with right now is Lafayette. <laughs> but, you know, since we haven't had an author on in a while, I thought it'd be really fun to invite Nathan Hale on to talk about how he draws these books, how he can relate grim history in just such a funny way, and also to thank him for keeping my son occupied for long swaths of time so I don't have to parent as much. But uh, <laughs> let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatikader. 
and sitting behind the soundproof glass wearing a tri-corner hat that he made from paper mache mango <laughs> by hand. Is this not impressive? And I think he's actually doing a celebratory minuet. Is that right, Tristan? <laughs> oh, that's impressive. That's our friend and producer, Tristan McNeil. So today we're just going to dive right in because we've got the best-selling author of the kids' graphic novel history series, Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales, on the line with us today. Nathan Hale, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So we want to talk to you about your latest book in your series. It's Lafayette. I'm excited about that one. It just came out last fall. And it's been interesting to see because it's the eighth in the series. And when I meet with readers, with kids who read the books, I always ask them what their favorite is. And lately, I've been getting a lot of kids saying it's their favorite one. (laughs) It's weird how much they've taken off because I did not expect them to be popular. I've been in children's publishing since 2005. This is my 14th year in children's publishing. And I've had a lot of kind of dead ends. And it was shocking when I thought, oh, you know, I'm not going to chase trends anymore. I'm just going to do my own thing. And I'm interested in history. I'm just going to try it. It's going to fail, but I'm going to try it. Uh-huh. And then seeing kids just light up and get into American history. That, that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but and, uh, it's been fun. And um, do, you, do you enjoy the writing more or the drawing? Um, they're two such different things. The, the research is so fascinating, and it's hard to kind of take all of these little stories and then have to decide which ones you have to cut to make it all fit. Mm-hmm. And then since the books are all dialogue, it's not only how do we cut it, but how do we show it and tell it in just dialogue. So the writing's pretty nerve-wracking, but the drawing takes forever. So it's kind of a toss-up. You know, they're both awful in their way. <laughs> 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 they're both fun in their way, but they're both awful in their yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so did having the name Nathan Hale get you into history as a kid, or was that just kind of a convenient way in? Oh, 100%. Um, you know how every uh, every day at the first day of school when the teacher, you're meeting your new teacher, my teacher would always be like, oh, we have a famous patriot in our class, Nathan <laughs> Hale. And then they'd say, oh, what you said, give me liberty or give me death. And I'd be like, no, that was Patrick Henry, I said. I regret that I have but one life to give for my country <laughs> every year. Every year. <laughs> maybe that's uh, maybe that's where you developed your sense of humor. You know, it's 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 fun seeing that th- these books are literally gallows humor, and they're you know narrated by Nathan yeah. Hale trying to procrastinate his death and telling all these great history mm-hmm. stories. And I was just curious, how did that come about? The funny thing is, I had a feel in place for a history series before we came up with the conceit of the spy Nathan Hale being our kind of omnipotent narrator. But my editor insisted we have a narrator. So I was brainstorming on ideas for what kind of narrator would be good. And then we were going back and forth on cover elements. And I was like, can we cut one of those things? (laughs) What if we combined the author name into the series title? And then I was like, hang on, hang on. What if, you know, there was this spy Nathan Hale from British... And he was executed by the British. Hang on, hang on. And my editor was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I like the sound of it. Hang up and write this down. And that hangman character is so funny, like, and, and just breaks up the story really uh, nicely. I am not actually into military history. Like, I, I, I love history, but some of the military stuff has just never really been that appealing to me. But it's funny to see my kid just spouting all these facts about various wars and, and be so into, like, ironclads and whatever. And, and you know, uh-huh. I, I am curious, like, how do you choose what stories to turn into books? And how do you balance humor with some of these very serious topics? I'm never super interested in military-specific history either. But 
every time I find a story that I'm excited about, I go, oh, this is this is a military story. And it's funny because I've, I've been to some schools where the, the parents are like, we love all of your books. We're a couple of hippies, and our children are so militant about this World War One stuff. You know, <laughs> really into it, but it's, I don't know if it's terrifying or exciting that so many third and fourth and fifth graders kind of love the, the structure of a military story. I don't know what it is. And I won't say that um, our Lafayette book has anything to do with a certain musical, but that may have come into play. <laughs> well, actually, that, that was my, my next question was, because uh, I do want to focus on the Lafayette story, which is fascinating. But I guess, like, he's one of these characters we kind of know about as, as a hero of the Revolutionary War, but his really, his full right. story isn't that well known. When I started this book, I was a little nervous about it because Lafayette could not be a more privileged person. I mean, he was 100% aristocracy. And, you know, the stories people are interested in right now are not stories about the world's wealthiest and most privileged people. Sure. <laughs> I'm certainly not. But Lafayette himself was in an aristocratic French family that went, you know, back to the Crusades, back to Joan of Arc. He was friends with Marie Antoinette, he was friends with all of the, the wealthiest people in France. But at heart, he was a, like a country kid who liked exploring and he liked adventures. And more than anything else, he wanted to be part of his family's left line of, you know, warriors. And when he saw that the Americans were fighting the, the British, he was like, well, maybe I'll go over there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he washes up in America because of his background and his wealth bumped straight up into George Washington's company because everybody was like, we don't know anything about this kid, but he is richer than anyone in this country. Maybe we can manipulate that. And then the crazy fluke is, he turned out to be pretty talented at battle. Nathan Hale, I love hearing about Lafayette, but first a quick ad break. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. 
Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. We were talking with author Nathan Hale about his book, Lafayette, and just about writing graphic novels in general. You know, the, the, the stories that you tell here, there's some, some pretty wild ones. You know, you've got this story about Lafayette falling on his face on the dance floor and one about him writing uh-huh. a kid's book with Ben Franklin. I'm just curious, you know, in yeah. the writing process, how do you find and then fact check stories like those? sources as possible. I read a lot of contemporary books and articles on these people, and I'm always just kind of combing over it for the big picture of the history story, but also for the wacky stuff. The fact that he did team up with Benjamin Franklin to write a story, a a picture book for children about how evil the British were. That is something they talked They never pulled it off, (laughs) but they did talk about it. I do as careful of research as I can and then uh, when I send it in to the publisher, before I do any drawing, I, I basically write the whole manuscript, and I send the manuscript into the publisher, and they do, you know, they take it through proofreading and editorial, and then they kick it over to the publisher's fact checker. And even with their really excellent fact checking and all of the research that I do, I'll still run into a third grader that's like, hey, you got this wrong. And then they'll point it out, and I'll find it and be like, "You, ah, oh, you got it." <laughs> Pesky kids. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I really liked was that story of his being an orphan. Really plays into sort of his admiration for Washington, right? Yeah. So um, one of the interesting things about his relationship—they were very, very close. Washington and Lafayette had this this thing. There's a, a, a page in the book that I really enjoy. Um, after one of the longest battles of the Revolutionary War, they've been fighting all day. Nobody could find Lafayette. They're like, where's Lafayette? Where's the general? Where, where's George Washington? They couldn't find either one of them. And they found them in a little clearing, and they had just been fighting and racing back and forth and doing all this stuff all day. And George Washington had spread his cloak down on the ground and just zonked out and fell asleep. And uh, Lafayette was right there with him, just the two of them, just sleeping with all of their battle gear on. <laughs> so they had this incredibly close relationship. I think a lot of people have read into the fact that Lafayette was kind of looking for a father figure since he didn't have one. And, you know, he 
always saw George Washington as powerful, charismatic military leader and probably saw, a, you know, a father figure there. And then um, Washington had lost children of his own. There's a story I didn't get to use in the book that I really liked. I guess Washington was like, he did not like physical contact. And one of, one of his generals was talking and was like, I will bet you uh, everybody in this room, I'll buy you all a drink if um, Washington comes in and I touch him on the shoulder and Washington doesn't care. I'm probably <laughs> getting this wrong. But Washington came in and, you know, he touched him on the shoulder and Washington just, like, gave him just the meanest, coldest stare. <laughs> and then Lafayette comes into the room and, you know, throws his arms around him, kisses him on both cheeks and nothing. You know, no problem. So they, oh, wow. they, they definitely had a... Uh, that's that's uh that's pretty interesting. You know, one of the things that struck me about Lafayette's character in the book is that he kind of comes across as as both this military genius, you know, being very brave and wily, but yet also comes across as like completely trusting and innocent. And I'm curious, is that how you see him as well? Yeah, I um one of the cool things about Lafayette is we have a lot of his letters that he wrote in English. And he was learning English as fast as he could when he got to the States, but he did not arrive with great English. Mm-hmm. But we have letters that he wrote, so you can read his actual letters. And I don't know if it's just because he didn't have a grasp on the language, but he comes across as really kind of sweet and almost, I don't know, a little bit silly. Because, <laughs> you know, he's kind of grabbing at that language. And he just, he's one of these people that, when you read his actual letters to people, that personality just comes shining through. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could have it totally wrong, but to me, he just seemed like, just like a fun guy, like a fun and silly, but brave and crazy, a sweetheart, you know? <laughs> but no, maybe, maybe that's the wrong read. Maybe he struggled yeah. with language and that's why it comes across that way. But he's yeah. just kind of bubbly and enthusiastic and a little bit goofy. I was surprised by... um and and really came away admiring how many times he ends up going into battle, just being so incredibly brave. I was curious, when does Lafayette actually become a star in France? Because I, I know that's a part of this story too, right? Like, when does news of his bravery end up coming back home and, and he gets celebrated there? So, it's slow news going back and forth, you know, traveling by ship. But of course, when the news gets to France, they're making a, a way bigger deal out of it. You know, the, the, by the time the stories get to France, you know, he's practically leading the armies and he's the biggest deal ever. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when, when he came to the United States, he'd be in the United States for years at a time. He did go home for periods during the Revolutionary War because they were like, sure, he's great. We like him here, but he'd be more valuable to us if he was talking up, um, if he was getting that, uh, that French money, getting the French alliance put together. I mean, the story is just constantly him wanting to fight and be in the battles, but Washington and everybody else wanting France's armies to come and help. You know, so it's just a lot of back and forth. And they, you know, when the French armies and ships finally show up, you know, sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. But, it, you know, I think one thing that's interesting to kids when they read it is just seeing how many other, how many of these huge plans put together by Washington would just kind of belly flop. You know, France would send a whole bunch of troops, but they were all too sick to get off the ships. Or, you know, just one, you know, they finally get finally get a French Navy to come and help, and then a big storm comes up and, you know, breaks them all down. It's just so many failed attempts over and over and over. In fact, I was worried when I wrote the book. I was like, oh, man, so many of these things that they try are just colossal failures. 
More with Nathan Hale right after this break. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking with my kid's favorite author, Nathan Hale. So Nathan, I love how you slip in Benedict Arnold's story and as well like as this kind of like an extended sidebar, but you know, he's actually a much more sympathetic character than than I feel like I'd remembered from history class and, and never quite gets his due, right? He is super interesting. And when I put him into the book, um, he actually appears in the first book in the series, One Dead Spy, as a hero. 
because he was a really amazing hero in the American Revolution for the first several years of it. He was just great. But, you know, through, like, military jealousies and a, and a long injury that kind of wore him down and a feeling of not being thanked enough for what he did, he was kind of put into a position where he was just like, you know what? I'm sick of being mistreated by Washington's army. Mm -hmm. And he saw a way out, and he, he took it. And he, you know, it, it, Americans have not liked the name Benedict until Benedict Cumberbatch came along. <laughs> <laughs> and we love it. So my son, Henry, wrote a list of questions for me to prep me for this interview. He was just so excited that I was going to get to chat with you. But, you know, most of the questions he had were things like, what is One Trick Pony about? Or, or what is Alamo All-Stars about? Like all the books he hasn't read, he wanted you to summarize for him. But uh, one question I liked was, who is your favorite side character from this book? And who do you identify with most? Ah, my favorite side character from Lafayette. Um, Lafayette has one of my favorite kind of lesser known American history characters, a guy named Henry Knox, who um, was a big, he ended up being one of the big, Kind of, uh, he's a major general by the time we get to Lafayette. But this guy, Henry Knox, was a Boston bookstore owner in his 20s. And all his life, he'd been fascinated with guns. And he just read books about them, read books about cannons and artillery. He was so into guns that he, he blew his fingers off when he was a kid with a shotgun. Uh, but he was just fascinated by them and uh, bought a bookstore. And when the revolution broke out, he's like, I'm putting a closed sign on the bookstore and I'm going to go help Washington's army. And he actually does one of these the, the crazier things of the, the Revolutionary War when he, he gets these guns from Fort Ticonderoga. He maybe may have termed the guns of Fort Ticonderoga. And he marches them just through the impossible odds across frozen rivers and everything to get these guns in place. And he's got a couple of little cameos in uh, Lafayette. So I like him a lot. There are There's Baron von Steuben, another um, oh, he is great. Or a national who came in to help, who's a, a, a an amazing drill sergeant who does some cool stuff. The British contact who was feeding Benedict Arnold's traitorous lies back to the British, a guy named John Andre, is a really cool guy. And when they caught him and executed him, he put the noose over his own neck. That's how mm. much of a serious soldier this guy was. Um, so there's lots of lots of really good juicy characters in this story. Yeah. I love the way uh, you depict Baron von Steuben in this book where he's just, uh, but not only super efficient, but he's got this dog with him and he's cursing and the way yep. the curses are shown in the yep. book is just so funny. It's really very sweet. <laughs> but I, I do want to thank you so much for being here today, Nathan, and, and thank you for writing these books and bringing so much joy to my kiddo. The books are Nathan Hale's Adventurous Tales. His most recent book is Lafayette and you can find them everywhere. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's it for today's show. From Gabe, Tristan, Mango, and me, thanks so much for listening. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.